This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. I'll tell you what, we've already had some really good church this morning. You know, I was thinking about some things that Brother Hagen used to say to tell if a service has got it or not. So number one, in a service that the Lord's in, the name of Jesus is always lifted up. Jesus is always magnified. The Word of God's always taught. Because God's Word gives faith. God's Word gives correction. God's Word gives direction. So you lift up the name of Jesus. The Word of God's taught. And then number three is just as important. People's lives are changed for the better when they leave the service. Amen. If Jesus is lifted up, the Word of God's taught, and your life's changed, then you've been in a Holy Ghost service. Amen. Amen. I just, I praise God for the worship this morning. That was just really so great that, I don't know if you know it or not, but the Lord started moving through Katie up there, Katie Brady, with some Holy Spirit words. Just ministered to us by the Spirit. And if you're listening with your spiritual ears, and seeing through your spiritual eyes, you're seeing God move already, and already there's lives being touched and lives being changed. Well, today we're going to be talking about uh, mothers, wives, Women in general, it, it's a ways that's really going to help you. The title is going to be what the Bible says about women, wives, and motherhood. And if you need an outline, hold up your hands, and the uh, ushers will be glad to give you an outline. And then I want to show you some resources from the bookstore, and I'll, I'll keep Nick busy back there flipping the screens around. But, uh, you know, our, our church uh, goal, theme, vision, whatever you want to call it, is to equip God's families for a victorious Christian living. To equip God's families for a victorious Christian living. And we're going to do some of that today, but that's why we have our bookstore. We have a lot of resources to help you. And uh, here's a really good one. This, this is a DVD. We don't advertise those a lot, but I was thinking about Mother's Day looking back there. It's called Decoding He Said, She Said. It's a DVD by... Uh, uh, Get the name now. Ken and Trudy Blunt, they've been here. Did anybody ever watch the Gospel Gospel Bill show back in the thrilling days of yesteryear? Gospel Bill on TV, been on national TV for years and years and years and years. But anyway, uh, he was Nicodemus, and she has Miss Trudy in the show. And really good. They have, they've had a marriage ministry now since they quit recording the series, and they've been traveling the country doing marriage seminars, teaching in churches. But uh, this is such a good one, decoding. He said... See, she said, how to deal with conflict in marriage. And I don't know about you, but I've learned in my marriage that uh, our conversations are key to a successful marriage. Because sometimes I say something that uh, the devil tried to twist where it got to her, and she thought she heard me say something I didn't say. Or sometimes vice versa, she said something, and she meant it one way, I received it another way. And then sometimes I really did say something cutting I shouldn't have said. And so the whole thing is we need to communicate in our marriages if we're going to have a happy marriage the way God intended it. And then another DVD by them, Holy Matrimony, Building and Maintaining a Happy Marriage. Building and Maintaining a Happy Marriage. And so I don't know about you, but uh, I like a happy marriage. I like things to go well. And then a book here that's really, it, it, it's a lifesaver for people, especially Christians. This is Brother Hagen. Matter of fact, I went to a pastor seminar of him back about 25 years ago when he really taught this subject intensely all day long for five days called Marriage, Divorce, and Remarriage. Marriage, Divorce, and Remarriage. And you know, a lot, a lot of churches, denominations teach that divorce is the unpardonable sin. But Jesus said the only unpardonable sin is the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. But if you've been through a divorce, and chances are what we found out by experience, and Brother Hagin talks about the book there, a lot of times when a Christian man or woman goes through a divorce, they're serious Christians, the fault wasn't theirs anyway. But then the rest of the church judges them because that marriage ended, and they may have been the ones that went the extra mile for 20, 30 years to keep it going, but it finally come to a place It's just like, when a marriage dies, how many know what a, what, what a body dies? When a person dies, the body's laying there. If you don't bury it, it's going to start stinking. 
Well, if a marriage dies, it stinks. And all divorce is, is given a proper burial. You know, it stinks, life stinks, and sometimes you have to bury it. Instead of getting a death certificate that says the body died, you get a divorce certificate that says the marriage died and you buried it. So a lot of times when a marriage ends, too much of the church world was to stone the person. That really wasn't a fault. All they did was finally say, we got to bury this, it's done. Amen. And so that book, if you've been through that, or if you're going through guilt over divorce and you want to get married again, or you've been married again and people are still judging you, God's not judging you for it. He knows it's over. The blood of Jesus cleansed it. The blood of Jesus covered it. Anyway, books like that are part of our vision to equip families for victorious Christian living. Those books will help you to get your life back on track where God wants it. Amen? Amen. How many have a Bible or a cell phone or an iPad or something that's got the Scriptures in it? You do hold up whatever it is you're reading, and let's talk about what we have. Say, this is my Bible. This is the holy written word of God given to me by God, my father, to reveal to me the living word, my Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I am who my Bible says I am. I can do everything, absolutely everything my Bible says I can do, and I can have everything. My Bible says that I can have. Now just give the Lord praise one more time and we'll open up the word. Amen. And so today, uh, the title is what the Bible says about women, wives, and motherhood. You know, it's funny how, 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 how ladies evolve. They start off as daddy's little girl. Then they come into, they come into a woman. And I think about uh, this morning conversation on the way to church. Mrs. Pastor's son, Ben, back in Indiana, called her and was telling her this is the last year that his little girl's going to be in the girls' party youth camp. Now she's going to go to the youth group next year. I wanted to say, Ben, watch out. The guys are watching her now. Watch out. Your little girl's not a little girl anymore. The guys are seeing her. How many know that happens? But, you know, that's just natural because God, God's the one that created marriage. God's the one that created the whole thing. And so, you know, it's what we do with our little girls before they get a little older. It depends on what kind of guys are drawn to them. Amen. And then, I don't know about you, but I don't know about me. I did a lot of praying as my daughters, I have three daughters. I did a lot of praying as my daughters were starting to grow up like that. Pray, pray the bad guys out. Sometimes you have to use a stick to run them out. <laughs> Amen. But the thing is, they changed when they become a wife. And then husbands, how many have noticed that when your wife then began to have children, that things changed again? Amen. All of a, all of a sudden, she can multitask, but you're sharing it with somebody else all of a sudden. It's not just you anymore. And then, to me, one of the greatest phases of life is you get to become a grandma. So nice to see all these grandmas in here this morning. I think about the grandma part of it. Things just keep on changing and changing and changing. And so we want to look what the Bible has to say about these different phases of life. But uh, as a pastor, we're, we're preparing a sermon. We've got many things to consider, especially for special days like Mother's Day. And so when I pray over a service like this, I was pondering this week and praying about what the Lord wanted to say. And I asked him, who's your target audience today? Because they're different. Whether you know it or not, when you're the pastor, you call it overseer. You see things other people don't see because you're the one responsible to God for what people's going to hear that come. And so as, as I was praying, I said, is it to tell women how much you love them and how special they are to you? I was asking, is that the target today, Lord? You just want to talk to the moms? Is it to teach them how to be a godly woman and then a godly wife, then a godly mother, and then a godly grandmother? Is that the ones you want to talk to today, Lord? I said, or do you want to tell men how to be a godly husband and how to love their wives? See, there's a lot of things you've got to listen to because the Holy Spirit knows who's going to be there and what he wants to say. Or I said, Lord, is it to teach sons and daughters how to have honor and respect for their mothers and their grandmothers? To teach the young people how to, how to honor their elders? As I pondered and prayed, I heard what sounded like the voice of an angel say, teach all the above. Teach all the above. I turned around with my wife watching on my shoulder. <laughs> In my prayer closet, listen to me pray. And then she says, teach it all. 
So praise the Lord. I'll take that as an answer from God through my wife to show me what to do today. And so we're going to teach it all. And so my very own sweet wife helped head me in the direction we're going to go today. And so I've got a short message that will help encourage all of you. And so I want to look at God's first instructions concerning women. Look at Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Wow. Man, I must have already stepped on some toes. Nobody excited except somebody in the very back. All right. Well, if you're a man, keep your excitement going, man, because it's coming. Whew. Like, like uh, Desiree said, well, I'll go about the mom of the church, man. Uh, they help give direction, correction, and they love and they help, and that's what God wants to do today. And so God's first instructions concerning women, Genesis 2.18, says this, And the Lord God said, It's not good that the man should be alone. How many men know that's so? It's not good to be alone. I don't like being alone, never like being alone. And so God said, I've got the answer. I'll give you man's best friend called a dog. And so God said, I'll give, I'll give you social media. No, no, guys, we've got to look at the right direction of what help from God. God said, it's not good man to be alone. I'll make him a health meet. Make him a health meet for him. And so, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. You can look up in Hebrew and all kinds of things about that. But what God's wanting to say to us today is a help meet is, is an influencer. He wants to give us an influencer. God created women to have influence on men. And Mrs. Pastor, they worked on a book for 20-some years. Now, you know what that book's called? It's from pastoral experience. Women, they can make you or break you. And too many times I've seen the breaking part happen over and over and over again. I think about some of the cases we've seen. Oh, I can't get too many bunny trails because i got to stay with my notes. But women, I'll start off talking to you. wasn't planning on this, but I have to now. What we've seen over the years, I saw it happen back in Indiana especially. I've seen it happen some in California. I've seen women that are good Christian women come to church for years and years and years and years with that seat empty beside them. Praying. Crying at the altar for that husband to get saved. Praying for that husband to come into church. And after all those years of prayer, I've seen these husbands come in and get born again, all fired up for God because they got many years of prayer all of a sudden manifested. Here they are. And then I see these women, and I say this in a very loving way as a spiritual dad. I've seen these women who had to wear their spiritual pants in the family. These women who were the spiritual big shots in the family. All of a sudden, you got the dad. He finally came in. And because God called him to be the head, be the lead, and she's the help. All of a sudden, he's born again, baptized the Holy Ghost. Hungry for the Word of God, he begins to mature as a Christian and take leadership positions in the church and the family. And then the wife, I've seen this happen time and time again. I'm not getting fed there anymore. We've got to change churches. The same guy that fed me for all these years, all of a sudden, my husband's get promoted past me, and now I don't get fed anymore. Let's change churches. So they get out of the will of God, take off. And then the husband backslides, go back, goes back to whatever he was doing before. And then the goofy wife tries to figure out what happened. What happened was she prayed for this man to be the man of God he's supposed to be. And it bothered her ego. So she booked. And when she booked, women can make you or break you. Seen it happen. And then on the good side, we've seen it when women learn to take their role, I'm not saying secondary, but beside, beside their man, helping him be the leader he's supposed to be, helping to be the man of God he can be, be the leader his family's supposed to be, and forget the jealousy, just recognize we're called together to serve God. And I'm so grateful after all these years that I served you by myself that you're here with me now. I'm so grateful now they ask you to teach a lesson. I'm so grateful they had your prayer with offering. I'm so grateful the pastor recognizes what you're doing because I sit here by myself all these years and now here you are 
I praise God for you instead of being upset. Amen. That's a, uh, you can clap if you want to. That, that was to help somebody. Amen. Women can make you or break you. So anyway, God created women to have influence on men. And just like my wife helped me decide which way to go with this Mother's Day message. Think about that. I recognize this mighty, spiritual, beautiful, blonde-haired, blue-eyed knockout that God sent to me all those years ago that she helps me do what God called me to do. And you know what she's doing? She's doing what Genesis 2.18 says. She's helping me. Amen. And am I always grateful for her help? Sometimes no. But what do I do? I repent. You know why? Because one time I said no so loud I didn't see her for a couple weeks. Then after that I stared a little bit out of one eye. <laughs> she always says, I think that's true. I don't have very many jokes. That's about the only one I got, but Anyway, no, I've, I've learned, I've learned what her part is, so I go with it. And so, anyway, uh, men have a grace, and that grace means divine enablement. There's many different definitions, but men have a grace and divine enablement to lead, guide, guard, provide for family. Men have that grace. God put it in man from creation that you're supposed to protect, you're supposed to provide. You're supposed to be the covering. You're supposed to lead. God's the one that said it. And women have the grace to help them succeed in leading the family. Women have a divine enablement. And that's what God said from the very beginning. Women are called to help. And, you know, we as men, we as men, and you as mothers, we're talking to the mothers right now especially, mothers have to recognize that if you're a single mom or some some other circumstance where you don't have a husband that's at home with you, that things change where God gives you what it takes to be the main one. But you have to recognize, I learned this years and years and years ago as a husband, as she learned as a wife when we were, this is way back a long time ago, that, that she is not, she is not divinely able to lead the family. I'm the one that God enabled to lead the family. She is enabled to help me lead. I'm not enabled to be the helpmeet. I'm the head. I've been able to be the head. She's been able to be the helpmeet. But neither neither role will function right without cooperation. And so what we learned in our marriage, that she was always, because I was too slow to move, is she was always jumping out in front doing the decisions. I don't know about you, but most men I know, they wimp out until they hear from God. <laughs> and so if, you've got, if you're a very strong-willed woman and you want the man to lead, Except you always don't think he's leading how you want. He's not leading fast enough, not making enough decisions quick enough, and you jump out and do it. Most men will just step out of the way then, because you're unable to help, not unable to be the main leader. And so what do you have to do? There has to come a point in time when you both have a come, come to Jesus moment where you realize, Lord, something's not working here. What's going on? And go back to the book of Genesis. God said, Adam, I want you to tend to the garden, which means take care of the business. And then Eve, I want you to help him take care of the garden, not be the doer of the garden. And so we come to that point in time, me and Mrs. Pastor years ago made the decision. We had the talk. I mean, I received revelation from God from the word of God. Hey, man, we're doing this wrong. And so I told her, I said, you know what? I'm not strong enough to say no to you to overcome you. Because you're a strong woman, strong Christian woman. And I said, as long as you keep out making the decisions, before I hear from God, I said, all I can do is say, okay, I'll go with the program. But I said, if you'll back off and give me time to hear from God, I'll start leading you help me. We made that choice, and guess what? Our life has been pretty close to heaven on earth most of the time. Except there wasn't anything in heaven like hit our house a few times. But anyway, what I've said is we found out out of all these years of marriage that... Uh, we, we, just like we co-pastor this church, we lead together, except I'm the pastor, she co-pastors with me, helps me with things. Well, we, we co-lead the family, except we know when it comes down to it, when I, when, we, when this church stands in front of God, He's not going to judge you for leading the church, He'll judge me for leading the church, but He will judge you if you're called to help in the church. In our marriage, I'll be called 
for how did I lead my family. I'll be judged for how to lead my family. She'll be judged how does she help me lead. And so woman's role is an influencer on the husband. Then I looked up a definition. And the definition of influence, one definition, is the capacity to have an effect on the character or development or behavior of someone or something. Wives, husbands, wives called to have an effect on the character of the husband. And, you know, it might be something as simple as watching a television show. And all of a sudden, on this television show, there's people doing things they shouldn't be doing. And the wife might be smart enough, sensitive enough, spiritual enough to say, Hey, wait a minute, what are you watching that for? And head you in the right direction. Or it might be a bad, a bad financial decision you're about to make. You know, it might, it might be that you've went through enough debt load that everybody's getting a new car and you guys are just now getting to where you're getting together and all of a sudden the husband gets the new car, new car fever. And the wife says, wait a minute. We just about got out of this last mess and look what you're getting ready to do. Be able to influence him to make a wise decision about money. And lots of other things in life. And so women, women are called to be influencers. So I got a word for the husbands. Listen to your wife. Amen. Remember I told you I was praying about what target group is today? Well, listen to your wife. And also, uh, you have to recognize your wife is gifted to help you succeed in life if you want to succeed. Your wife is gifted by God. How many know that the Bible teaches in Proverbs 18.22 says a wife's a gift? She's a gift from heaven. Said you find, you, says you, Proverbs 18.22, as a matter of fact, before I had a wife, when I was praying for a wife, I had that scripture in my refrigerator. says a wife's a good thing. And said he obtains a wife, a good wife, obtains favor of the Lord. And so you have favor with God because of the Christian wife he gave you. And so you need to let them help and and uh, just recognize that when you let your wife help you, the gift from God, you're letting God help you. Amen. Don't stifle the gift that God's given you. Now look at Second Corinthians chapter 6. Second Corinthians chapter 6. And I know that there's some man sitting out here right now, like the little kid says, I may be standing up on the outside, I'm sitting on the inside. There's, there's at least one man sitting here right now saying, that's not what I wanted to hear today. I came to hear him say good thing to women. I didn't hear him come to say something to me. Well, if the shoe fits, wear it. Hey, man, I'll tell you what, your marriage is never going to be what it can be unless you make use of what God gave you to win. And he gave you that wife to help you win. Amen. And so 2 Corinthians 6, verse 17 and 18 says this, Wherefore, Come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I I will receive you. And look at this. And will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. My sons and daughters. And so women, you are special to God because you're his daughter. I want to say that again. You know, it says men too, but this is Mother's Day, so Father's Day is coming. So maybe Mrs. Pastor might preach that and be nicer. I don't know. I doubt it. But anyway, <laughs> women, you're special to God because you're his daughters. And so I want to say this. Even if you're single, divorced, or widowed, you're God's daughter. Amen. Even if you're not a married woman, if you've got a loving husband in heaven now, or even if he wasn't a loving husband, he got born again, he's in heaven now. You're God's daughter. If you've been through a divorce, you're a single mom, you're God's daughter. And that's what we're here today is talk, talk, talk to you to help you from the Word of God. You're God's daughter, and you've got to know this, God's always on your side for you to have a good life. It doesn't make any difference what your status is. Your status as God's daughter has not changed. You're God's daughter, he's got your back, he wants you to win. And so, no matter how much you've messed up in life, your Heavenly Father loves you far greater than any earthly father could ever love their daughter. I want to say that again. Your Heavenly Father loves you far greater, no matter what you've done, 
You know, maybe maybe you've never messed up. I don't know. But if you messed up in life and circumstances, the devil and well-meaning Christians tell you how you can never go any further, how God God's mad at you. God said, I'm your daughter. He said, come out from among them and be you separate. You are a daughter of God. You're blood bought. He gave his life for you. You're his little girl. Let that sink in. No matter what your status is, your heavenly father loves you far greater than your earthly dad ever could have. And so, I want to say this to you husbands. You need to treat your wife good because you have a very powerful father-in-law. Amen. Very part. Did I hear somebody clapping back there? It must not have been a man. <laughs> hey, man, you have a very powerful father-in-law. And so think how much you love your children and are overly protective, dads. How many here is overly, overly protective of the little girls? I know I always was. I love my sons, five sons, three daughters. I'll tell you what, there's something about little princes. And so think about this. Your wife is God's little princess. And God has even written some letters to you about how to treat the princess. Hey Amen. How many can handle this? How many men want to hear what God sees in your marriage? I'll tell you what, I, I prayed about what the Lord wanted to do, what he wanted to say. So we're followed after what Jesus wants to say today. Hey, what says good things to all of you. But I, I, you know, I don't know about you, but I know about me. In life, I found things that work and I found things that don't work. And what, what's the definition of a fool? It's the person that keeps doing the same thing over and over again, expecting to get different results. And so now I'm talking to, uh, real nice. I'm just talking to husbands that have been jerks. That's the best way to say it. If you've been a jerk husband, hold on to your seat. God's getting ready to liberate you. God's getting ready to change you, but it's got to be a change from the inside out. From the inside out. And I've learned this from the Lord. He told me years and years ago, and I do my best to plot my life. He told me when I look at a Christian, he said, I look at three things. Number one, the heart. Number two, your words. And number three, I think is the most important, your actions. Isaiah, it talked about Christians of the future, said, said, you worship me with your hearts. But your actions are far from me. And so it's one thing to do a good talk. It's another thing to have a good walk. Amen. It's one thing to have a church face. It's another thing to have a family face when you're not in church. It's one thing to come to the church holding hands. And all kissy-poo and huggy face and all that kind of stuff there. That's another thing you walk out and before you get out of the parking lot, you just start dropping the bombs. You know which bombs I'm talking about, too. Hey, man, you start unloading doing wrong things. Anyway, I want you to look at Malachi chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. How many know that, knew that Malachi talks about more than tithing? Hey, Amen. At Malachi chapter 2, we're going to look at this in the New Living Translation. That's Pastor Dave's translation, really, but that's... Says this really good. And, and this, this is God's letter. This is God's letter to his son-in-law. To the one that married his daughter. Amen. Don't that, don't, you know, men aren't you only a son of God, but you're also a son-in-law if you're married to his daughter. And so this is your father-in-law, guys, talking to you. Look at, look, hey, look at your neighbor and say, this is your father-in-law, mister, talking to you. And wives, look at your husband and say, my daddy loves me. He's watching out for me. You better listen. Amen. Now listen to this. This this is pretty serious. But we're talking about equipping families for victorious Christian living. And Mr. Husband, sir, if you're the husband of the head of the family, God wants you to straighten up and fly right. And if you're doing good, he wants you to do better. If you need this, receive it. But then don't just listen what it says, but do what it says. Now, here's what God says. 
Here's another thing you do. Talking to husbands. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping and groaning because he pays no attention to your offerings and doesn't accept them with pleasure. Wow. God says he sees your tears. He sees your offerings. We don't like what you're doing. What is that you're doing? You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? You know what that means? In your life, if you feel dry, feel like God's a thousand miles away, you don't feel the presence of God, everybody's getting blessed, but you're not, you wonder what's going on. The anointing's not on your life. Amen? It says, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young. That's pretty powerful. You know, I know that today's society, I'm not politically correct. I'm going to be biblically correct till the day I die. I don't care what laws they make. I don't care what's popular. I don't care what wins the opinion polls. The Word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. And so it says that you make vows in holy matrimony. It says God is witnessing that. God is watching that. God is listening to that. And, you know, I, I've been studying the Old Testament. I've been watching Moses, Abraham, the different ones like that. And I don't know about you. This is real enough to me that I see, see the same God that came down that cloud to Moses. The same God that said, raise that rod and part the Red Sea. The same God that told Abraham, said, I'm going to multiply your seed. As many as the stars are, the sand on the sea. And Abraham, at a hundred years old, became a dad. His wife, at ninety years old, became a mother. And that same God I see in all those great exploits, that same God that was with Daniel in the lion's den, that same God that when Elijah called fire down from heaven, sent the fire down from heaven, that same God's alive today. That same God is my father. That same God's your father. And I'll tell you, I, I just... I just feel like a, a new Christian. I went through a lot of stuff last year to where I've got my life back. And when I read that Bible, those Old Testament scriptures, I stopped. I looked up to heaven. I go, wow! Man, I can't wait to see what you do next because I read it like I've never seen it before. But then when I'm in a service like this, and I'm the pastor talking to people, and I pray to see what God wants to say, and I see God talk to husbands and say, I'm not happy with you. I think, well, that's the same God. That's the same God that looked down from heaven, saw the earth in confusion, said, let there be light. And light came. And God created the oceans. And God created the trees, the cattle. They go, that same God is here in Malachi. That same God is the one that said in the New Testament, you're my sons and you're my daughters. They come out from them and be you separate. And so what I'm saying is this. If you've been a goofy husband, listen today. And wives, if you've been a goofy wife, don't stick your finger in his face condemning. Get on your knees and pray for him. Amen. Amen. So he says, you cry out, why does the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young. But you have been unfaithful to her. And you may not have been, you may not have been committing adultery or running around. But if you married her. You said for better or for worse. You said for sickness or health. You said richer or poor. You said to death do his part. You didn't say till I get older and grumpy. You didn't say till you got gray hair and wrinkles on your face. You didn't say till you quit weighing 120 pounds and now you weigh 200 pounds. That's not what you said. You said for better or for worse. Till death do his part. God heard that. I thought I'd better say amen, man. It got really quiet in here. <laughs> it says, but you have been unfaithful to her, though she remained your faithful partner. She remained your faithful partner, the wife of your vows. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. In body and spirit. Now, you know, most men like the body part. But they forget the spirit part. God's the one that said the two shall become one. And so God said the spirit part was first, then the body part. And you're focused on the body. 
But God said, I'm looking at the spirit. He wants you to be united in spirit like you're supposed to be. And so did the Lord make you one with your wife and body and spirit? You are his. And what does he want? Now, listen to this. Godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. Guard your heart, men. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. And so, as I look at this, I wrote this down a while ago. Husbands, how you respect or disrespect your children's mother will have a long-lasting impact on your sons and daughters. You can repent and start over today if you need to. And so, you know, I know that me, I was raised in a sinner family. What does that mean? It wasn't a church family. It wasn't a Christian family. It was good people. I mean, they weren't an absolute atheist. But they just, my family didn't have God in it. And so I know the example I saw most of the time was my dad and mom arguing and fighting and carrying on and just being mean to each other, cussing each other out and things like that. My dad, they're both in heaven. I led them to Jesus before they died. They're both in heaven. But my dad was a put-down artist. My dad would always make jokes about my mom like it was a joke. And think about it, when you got people around that don't know what else to do, they give a nervous laugh, just I call it a courtesy laugh. But my mom never was laughing. She never laughed. My mom died more and more and more and more every year on the inside. So I saw my mom finally when she was old with Alzheimer's. Then she finally had peace because she wasn't tormented anymore. She didn't know who she was anymore. But my dad was a put-down artist. Fat jokes, ugly jokes, dumb jokes. Every kind of put-down joke you think of, there's always a little laugh afterwards make everybody think he was laughing, but it was killing my mom. And so I got born again to win. And so when I got born again, I've had to watch out all my Christian married life that put-downs didn't come out of me because it's called learned behavior. And so I've done my best to role model my manhood, my husbandhood, from the Bible, from good Christian teaching, from said other Christian men, how they treat their wives. I've always tried to do that, but every once in a while, that dingbat spirit tries to show up and tries to make me do a put down. Immediately, I catch it. I said, no, in the name of Jesus, my wife's a gift from the Lord. My wife's the most intelligent, spiritual, good-looking, awesome woman of God on the face of this earth. Amen. That's who she is to me. She's not dumb. She's not unspiritual. She's not flaky. She's not weird. I'm never going to make any jokes about my wife, anything about her looks, her intelligence. Except a blonde joke every once in a while. But But we have fun with that. So you hear what I'm saying? God said... And you've got to listen to this. God said, I witnessed your vows, what you said. God's the one that said, I witnessed that. I heard what you said. And so our words carry weight in the spirit, especially when they're words made before God. And you know what? When you're married, especially in a Christian marriage, and even if you're not married, even if you were married as sinners, or even if you had to get some kind of a judge or some kind of somebody else to do a ceremony for you, God's watching what you're saying. God's watching what you're doing. If you want to be blessed in your marriage, you men better make sure if there's nobody else in the whole world you treat right, you better treat your wife right. Amen. So we're talking, we're talking to different groups of people this morning. And so I just want to say it again. If you need to get right with God today, you can do it right where you're sitting if you have to. You can pray in the car. Pray going home. But if you see that things are more serious in this marriage business than what you ever dreamed of, you're right. So just get serious. Okay, Ephesians chapter 6. I want to talk to young people, teens too, because like I said, that voice told me to hit all the targets. And of course, that voice was one I respect, the biggest influencer in my life, my wife. And why is she the biggest influence in my wife, in my life? Because God's the one that told her to. God's the one that put it in her heart to be a helpmeet. And you know, I want to, I want to tell you something, guys, and for women too. Don't have a best friend that's not your mate. Let your best friend always be your mate. Be transparent. 
Be open. Confide. Don't hide money matters. You know, you can do what you want to. And I know in modern times people do a lot of dumb, a lot of things they choose to do. It's not smart things. Don't have your account and her account. You know, to me what that's saying, well, here I go to bed. Praise the Lord. Sometimes you have to say what you have to say. To me, that says I don't trust you. If there's anybody you ought to trust, it ought to be your mate. After some legal reasons, you have to have different accounts. I understand that. But the thing is, when you got married, when we got married, she'd been married before, I'd been married before, and we got married, then our incomes, I told her, we had to make adjustments. They have to be a single stuff like that. We had to make adjustments. I said, it's not your money and my money. It's called the samples pot. It all goes into one pot. And so your money's my money. My money's your money. It's our money together. And we're not out here to do dump stamp for our money. We're out here to help our family succeed. And so it becomes a samples pot because the Bible says the two shall become one. So we became one. And so we trust each other. We know what's going on. We don't make decisions without each other. I'm talking about major decisions. But the whole thing is, it's, it's your marriage becoming all that God intends it to be. And if you don't have trust, what else do you have? Distrust. If you have distrust, you don't have unity. If you don't have unity, you don't have anointing. If you don't have anointing, you don't have blessing. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Is this still the same Mother's Day crowd that got those prizes a while ago and everything got the flowers? Okay, you're thinking. I know. Ephesians 6, thank you. As, as Pastor Dave says, thank you for your holy silence. Ephesians 6, verses 1, 1 through 3. Young people and teens, this is for you. We can't leave you out. If you're a teenager, you're a young person in the service, list this on online. This is for you. Children, do what you want to. Forget your parents. Children, since you always know more than them. Children, because, because of their lack of understanding of what's going on. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this, this is your choice. This is right. God said, children, it's right to obey your parents in the Lord. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise. God made a promise for obedient children. If you're a teenager, you better know this. Your mom and your dad were teenagers a long time before you were ever thought of. We've been down that road. We found out what doesn't work too well. We found out what works right. We know a little bit about life, and you may not like to hear it, but we know more than what you know. And then, greater than that even, we have the Holy Spirit in us to help us be parents to help you go right. And so, children, honor your father and mother's first command with promise. What's the promise? That it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. That it may be well with you. Uh, kids, what's better, to be sick or to be well? Well, ask somebody else then. Anybody. Is it better to be sick or to be well? Well, he says, if you honor your parents, it'll be well with you. And so I say this, uh, concerning things in life, your relationships, your schooling, your athletics, you want it to go well in the things you're involved with. Well, God said, when you honor your mother, honor your father, things will go well with you. You want to live long and healthy. He says you'll live a long time, be healthy, if you honor and you obey your parents. And so honor your parents, honor your mother, honor your grandmother. You know, we've seen this morning, there's so many people been raised by their grandparents or raised by their grandma. And so how do, you, how do you honor your mother or your grandmother? Well, just real simple. He says to obey. Listen to their advice. Listen to their advice. You know, I think about especially these grandmothers raising, raising their grandchildren. You don't know yet what a challenge, what a responsibility that is. Well, they finally got to be free from raising kids to take on another batch. What a challenge that would be. I don't know what that would be. But to listen to their advice. And you think about your parents or your grandparents. 
if you're if you especially if you have Christian parents or grandparents, they don't just sit up at night thinking, what could I do to ruin their life? What can I do tomorrow to make life miserable for them? I don't want them to ever have a boyfriend or girlfriend. I'll do everything I can just to make sure they don't. No, your parents want to head you in the right direction. So hopefully you won't make the mistakes they made about the wrong guy or the wrong gal. And, you know, I'll tell you something else. I wasn't always a Christian, okay? I got born again at 28 and a half years old. I was raised around sinners. I worked with sinners. knew a lot of sinner men. And I'll tell you what your dad can see, since he used to be one. We can see what's in those boys' eyes. And so when daddy tells you or mommy tells you he's not the right one, he's got wrong motives, he's got wrong ideas, then just stop to think. Your dad and your mom, by experience and by the Holy Spirit, are seeing something you need to listen to. And, you know, I think about biblical submission. Biblical submission is yielding to somebody that God's put authority over you and be able to say, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am, whether you like it or not, whether you understand it or not. And, you know, I think about pastoring. That's what pastoring's about, too. There's decisions we make in the church sometimes that the church elders, the leaders that God's put under my authority, and sometimes there's corporate decisions we have to make because I'm the one that God's called to lead this church. So we make decisions. I'm so grateful for my leadership team. They'll say, yes, sir, that's what we'll do. I don't quite understand that, but we'll do it. But praise God, we come out on top where we have submission. We have proper authority. And in the lives of the children, teenagers especially, that's who we're talking to right now. When your dad and mom are walking with Jesus and they see things in the future that you don't see yet, you need to be able to do whatever you got to do to stop to consider God's smarter than me. God said, obey, it'll be well with me. I want it to go well with me. I want life to be good like that. And when you do that, God said, you'll live long, you'll live strong, and your life will be blessed. Amen? And so that's, 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 that's what I call honoring and listening. And then also, uh, don't back, don't back talk or smart off to them all the time. Man, start learning sometimes to keep your mouth shut. Amen? Just sometimes learn to keep your mouth shut. If you want to say something, I'm not saying do this. But if you want, if you want to do something, run outside somewhere where they can't hear you. Ah! load out there. Go to the bedroom. Stick a muffle over your mouth and let off some volleys if you have to. But praise God. Real quickly then, get back to your right attitude. Say, Jesus, I didn't like that on the outside. But on the inside, I know that's my mom. On the inside, that's grandma talking, or dad. And Lord, you told me in the Word of God, and children, always hold up the Word of God, so you told me that if I obey, it'll go well with me. And Lord, I want good grades at school. I want to make the so-and-so team. Lord, I want to be on the trailers. Whatever it is you're going through in life, God said it'll go well with you when you honor and obey. Amen? That's a good time for the, all the moms to clap and dads too. And then, also, help with chores. Help with chores. Give some help. And you know, especially the times we live in, so many working mothers we have, man, what a blessing that would be for somebody to make their own bed. For somebody to at least take the clothes out of the dryer and fold their own clothes. For somebody to pick the stuff up off the floor. For somebody to help with the dishes. And so do something special for your mom on Mother's Day. On her birthday. Or just surprise her sometimes and say, Thank you, Mom, I love you. I mean, would that be a biggie just to come up to your mom out of the blue, not expecting anything, not setting her up for something, just say, Mom, no special reason. I just want to tell you, I love you. And what are we doing? Well, number one, you're blessing Mom, but number two, God says... You're obeyed and you're honored and said, I got a promise for you. It's going to be well. You're going to live long. Amen. Every group getting hit. Let's go back to the moms as we close. Second Timothy chapter one.
verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Such a good verse. I think the Pastor Dave alluded to this a while ago. And, and Paul said this, What I call it remembrance, the unfeigned faith, that's genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother, mother Eunice, I persuaded that is also in thee. And so he's looking at a third generation believer here. He said, your grandmother had this faith and your mother had this faith. And now you've got this faith. And so moms and grandmas, I want to say this. Ladies, you are people of influence. Grandma's faith influenced mom. And then mom's faith influenced Pastor Timothy. And so I want to say, you know, I think about your grandmas. As I said, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. But I had a wonderful Baptist home. I got to live to be 95 years old. Grandma had a lot of kids, a lot of grandkids. But I'll tell you what, when Grandma and Grandpa were both alive, Grandpa got saved. They would take us to church. Once they wanted to go to church, they'd make their rounds. Then after Grandpa died, Grandma lived about another 30 years probably. Grandma faithfully, 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 as long as she could function, picking up grandkids for church, picking up grandkids for church, picking up grandkids for church. And so I want to say to you grandmas that are in here today, don't ever take it lightly what you're doing with those grandchildren. Grandma, Grandma got to see me enter the ministry before she went to heaven. I was pastor by the time she went to heaven. But I attribute all of my Christian influence to that Baptist grandma took me to the Baptist church every time I would go with her. And guess what? It didn't really happen that much at night when I was a kid. But all of a sudden, all those Sunday school lessons... All grandma's prayers started coming to me when I was about 28 years old. And that Holy Spirit in me finally, I finally, he was there all the time. Finally, it ignited and caught fire. And the grandma got more than the Baptist church ever gave her. Gave her a Pentecostal tongue talk and a Holy Ghost filled Christian out of it. Amen. And so, influence, influence. Mamas, grandmas. Don't ever, 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 ever get tired of what you're doing. Don't think it's not having results. Everything is seed time and harvest. You keep those seeds planted. You keep those seeds watered. You keep nurturing that plant. In Jesus' name, you'll have a quick harvest. But if you don't, don't ever pull the seed up. Keep on preaching to them. Keep on being the example. Keep on loving them. Don't let the kids or the grandkids pull you down into a different level. You stay your high level. You keep on praising. You keep on worshiping. You keep on tithing. You keep on serving. You keep on being what God said you're called to be. You are called to be an influencer. You can have, you could have a big impact in the development of their character and of their life, et cetera, et cetera. So all I can say is happy Mother's Day. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.